Welcome to Cow Horse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. Cow Horse, Full Contact is a view into the industry from our eyes, seeing some of the people that we've seen and grown up with, and getting to hear some of the stories we've loved our whole cow horse lives and would like to share with you. And along the way, we might come up with a little bit of information that helps you on your journey in the cow horse. This episode is brought to you by Kimes Ranch Jeans out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Cow horse full contact. Chris Dawson here with Russell Dilday and Ben Self. And today we have the record holder for the longest employment at Todd Crawford's. Wade Metter. Wade Metter. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I know. That's, Wade. Cool. That's cool to say that it can go unsaid. <laughs> Everybody just knows. <laughs> <laughs> Toughest little ginger fella around, I reckon. <laughs> or the dumb enough. Slow learner. <laughs> I'll take it. It's uh, a common is a common thread. A member of our fraternity we're Wade not Wade is wanting to get t shirts made that we uh, are alumni of TCU. That yeah. are still training. Well, and yeah, some Todd, of the few Todd Crawford University. Yeah, that are uh, still still in the biz. Yep, we can get his little TC logo and put a U in there, and, <laughs> yep. and then out to the side say Todd Crawford University. Right? <laughs> or I survived. I survived. <laughs> I survived TCU. The list is long and distinguished. <laughs> now that's what we should do in the fine print: just put all the little names underneath. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow alumni. All right. Shout out Mark Matson. <laughs> Marky Matson. <laughs> but yeah, he, I mean, hey, he's kind of still in the horse business. He's driving a wedding yeah. carriage. Yeah. He's making bank. <laughs> he's making, making more than the rest of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. What a bunch of retards we are. <laughs> Probably working half the time. <laughs> Man, he's got employees and everything. It's rocking down there. He has there. employees? Tons. Hey, he's flying back here next month to buy some more carriages. Really? <laughs> it's big. You, I mean, who would think that a carriage business is even a thing now? Much less in Southern California. <laughs> I went and rode with him. It's so much scarier than anything I've ever done. <laughs> Coming like, from you, that's saying something. <laughs> I am not kidding you. I don't know how he does it. Them big old horses and that big old, he's them big uh, San Francisco streetcar looking carriages in Temecula with all them cars that have no idea about what a horse is. They run up on them. They run right to them. I mean, it is scary. So and anyhow, if you ride with him, he has you to get out and stop the traffic. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> Let me out. <laughs> yeah. Till you go to try to stop them annoying people yeah, that no, think that, that. Uh, 12 seconds is going to ruin their day. <laughs> so anyhow, know here we are with Wade Matter. <laughs> <laughs> what we were talking about earlier, Glad a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Come so back Wade, yard. where did it? start the beginnings family childhood so i was born and raised in canyon texas just south of amarillo Mom, windy very <sighs> always cold and dry so 
How did you not blow off the planet? You're not a very big fella. <laughs> he got under the wind. Hey, so I remember one time when I was a kid, me and my sister, we like had a, I don't know, it was a storm came through, and and obviously I wasn't very big anyways, but I can remember laying into the wind, and like I laid backwards, leaned back into it, and at a 45-degree angle <laughs> on the back of my heels, and that wind holding me up. Mm. I mean, like I say, I was probably eight or nine or something like that and my sister was probably 13 or something like that but i mean like that you don't do that very often so you were you, you were used to it when you went yeah. to a uh, purcell there to work for todd oh yeah, yeah i mean we had to... trees and it rained and it was nothing <laughs> no but and in that being said a total whole different perspective um the first spring i was there i'd see more rain in the first week than I had my whole life growing up. I mean, like it rained and rained and three inches today, five inches tomorrow. It'd be dry for two days and here comes another three inches. I'm like, this doesn't, we don't have this at home. We need to build an ark. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was a whole nother feat in itself. And the humidity dang near killed me the first year. When you're raised in the wind, did you think it was windy? I mean, no, you, get, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's just how it is. I mean, just like if you're born in the north or somewhere where it's cold, it's not really that cold. You just get acclimated to it. And it's the same thing here now where we live. It's humid. Once you get acclimated to it, the humidity's not that big of a deal. But when it's out of your element and all of a sudden here it is, yeah, it's a slap in the face. So we knew it was windy, but to say, you know, 30, 40 mile an hour winds... It was just life. That's just every day, you know. And so you say 30, 40 mile an hour winds here, and people are like, oh, man, oh we're tying God. things down. I'm wearing my cap today, you know. <laughs> I mean, hell, we wore, we wore black felt hats every day year round then, even in the summer. But here, you can't do that. It, the humidity's too thick and heavy. I mean, you're just wringing wet. So that's just how it was. I mean, wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And you had to wear felt, the dang thing would blow exactly. off. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you didn't wear straw hats back then because it would blow off. And yeah, not because of the. Yeah, not because of the. Yeah. Whether it was hot or cold is about keeping about that keeping thing, the on. thing on. Yeah, and if you lose your hat, how <laughs> you, you might not see it again, but you get your butt. Yeah, you get your butt chewed. You lose your hat. You know? Yeah, and you would never see it again. <laughs> that too, you would spend ten minutes running across there trying to get it. <laughs> Looked like that guy chasing chickens around. <laughs> run, Rocky, run. Yeah. Yeah. But so growing up in Canyon. Yeah, my mom's a school teacher there at WT at that college there, and she taught microbiology. And my dad's a farmer, and so we always had cows and had some land, and we had horses. So we grew up. I had a horse before I was born. Didn't know it, you know, but. So my dad, obviously, yeah, that was, yeah, but, but that being said, I mean, that's just always had horses around us and not always good horses to what we are introduced around now. I mean, we just had horses and, uh, luckily one of my dad's best friend, his wife, uh, taught riding lessons and they just lived two or three miles down the road. And my dad knew I wasn't going to listen to him. So he'd send me down the road to her. Did they use pickups? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. That's, look at you, you can ask every person that comes from now on. No I'm one going, else is good going to. I'm, no one else uses somebody, somewhere, for training. Somewhere, you, somebody did it before us. Yeah, we're no, find it's them. just you and Lee. That's <laughs> it. That's it. My Lord. We'll have to fill me in on this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did, That'd be a whole nother rabbit trail. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what did your dad farm? Um, wheat, corn, milo. And then he ran the cattle back on on the stock on the after he after he harvested. Yes. And did he have cattle year round, or is he just run stalkers? No, all round. We had uh, more of a cow calf operation. Cow calf, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did run some some yearlings here and there, but more so just we had mainly like 30, 30 to forty mama cows that we kept year round. Mm-hmm. And so then um, somewhere along the lines, those cattle kind of started dying down a little bit, and our herd got a little smaller. And when I was in uh, junior high, we lived one mile south of a feedlot in Randall County feed yard. And I, I don't, don't quote me to this, but I think that yard holds like 90 something thousand head. I mean, it's a good size yard. Mm. Uh, we just live one mile south of there. So my dad, when he was younger, he rode in the feed yards a lot uh, in Tulia and stuff. And so he took me over there and we started a contract with them where we got all the bottle calves that came, all the calves that were born on that yard. We had a contract. We bought them all for $25 and so we started us a little bottle calf operation. And so when I was in junior high, we started raising bottle calves. And that was my job, and it became my income. You know, I was growing up, and so. How many of them at a time, Wade? Uh, the most we ever had on a bottle was 50, but we had probably another 30 to 40 on cows, on whole You know what kind of shoulders and forearms you ought to have to have to mix 50 bottles shake 50 bottles up yeah and you know me i was also four foot tall (laughs) yeah so we had but you move a lot you just you just give it to you and let you run around (laughs) 50 bottle caps twice a day i mean that's 100 bottles a day that's a lot of mixing milk i don't care who you are did you mix them in the bottle in in our in the kitchen in our house (laughs) yep wow so what would you do with them i mean we'd raise them and sell them you know and so like i was saying about did you sell them at oh for the most part, probably four or five hundred pounds. Mm. So you yeah you know, to go out yeah. on like weed or something. Yep. The, where I lived, we lived on half a section, and so a quarter of it was grass, and the top quarter was farmland. So we what we would do is once we got them weaned off of uh, off the bottle, we just kicked them in with the herd with the herd of our cows. And so what I said about some of those cows that kind of got depleted or whatnot, we started rebuilding that herd a little bit larger with some of those calves we'd keep some of them and keep them as cows and then other ones we'd send them off and sell them so wow and so those bottle calves would make yeah, you betcha uh, what breed of cows were they everything 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 came out of the feed yard yeah i mean it was just a conglomeration of and that was the that was the deal was part of the contract we had to take it no matter, no matter what, what, they would call us every day and say, hey, we've got one or we've got four or whatever. And they were pretty good to us. Like if they died that day, you know, we didn't have to pay for them. If they died the next day, we still had to pay for them. So how old were they when they gave them to you? The day they were born. Like, because those cowboys. So you had to buy the colostrum too. We had to buy everything. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So like those cowboys would ride the pins every day. And if there was a calf born, they called us that day. They, they would typically wait till the end of the day. So if there were more of them born before yeah, that. Yeah, right, they'd get them yeah. all. Yeah, but, I mean, there were times where we'd go over there and pick up one, and there's times we'd pick up five or six. You know, and then sometimes we might not pick up any for a couple of days. So it was just kind of whenever they called, we'd get hooked Did trailer you have up. to have shelters for them? We had a hay barn um, that had four sides of a lean-to. So in the middle of it, 
is where we stacked all our square bales. And then all, all around the outside was a, a bunk. So before, before I was born or whatever, they would just throw hay from that stack into the bunks. And then all those cows would come in and eat out of the bunks. Well, what we did is we just got those hog panels and put them up underneath those lean-tos. And we had uh, like pig huts that, that we had built out of two-by-twelves and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just made little huts that those calves could go into. Um, but we just made pens all around that uh, hay barn because we weren't feeding out of that hay barn as much as we were before. So we just turned that hay barn kind of into our nursery. Nursery there. Yeah. Nursery. Oh, be dang. So but it was good because... Like whenever I got out of junior high into high school and I ne- I started roping a little bit more, I used that money to buy my first rope horse. I bought it from my uncle when I was probably fourteen or fifteen. Bought team it. team roping? No, calf roping. Calf roping. Yep. yep. So uh, we had them bottle calves there already. Yep. Yep. But when I was from twelve to seventeen, something like that, I'd go to my grandmother's every summer uh, in Stamford, Texas, just north of Abilene. And my uncle, my mom's brother, lived there too. And so I'd go spend the whole summer with them. Like, as soon as school got out, I was gone. And I wouldn't come home until, like, two days before it's time to go back to school. I mean, you didn't see me at home. But there, my uncle and, and he had a friend there that they cowboyed with. They, they taught me how to cowboy, per se, you know. And, and it was cool there, too, because there were trees and there was brush. And you couldn't always see where you were going or what you were after. So it was exciting for me because it was the, the thrill and the chase of not knowing what's out there. Whereas growing up, you can see 40 Forever. miles down the road and just to go gather the cows in the bare pasture, that was boring, you know, so. Nothing, and they're not getting away. <clears throat> yeah, you yeah. know, if you wanted to go catch them, hell, you could run for 30 minutes chasing them and not. Never hit nothing. Know, exactly. So going down there, teaching them, like, they taught me how to rope quick, you know, and, and they roped calves all the time. And so they taught me how to calf rope. And I ended up buying my horse from my uncle. His name was 12. And the, the two guys, my uncle and Billy, kind of got on a horse trading deal there for a while where they started numbering all the gray horses. So m- the first one that I learned how to rope calves on was a little bitty gray horse named Seven. And, like, he was he was like Tom Tom, like that. Like, right. he was sweet and little bitty horse. And... He was one of those that was just white, you know, it didn't have anything else on him. Uh, but then my uncle, he rodeoed on that horse 12, and I ended up buying him from him when I was, I think, 14 or 15. And I used my bottle calf money for that. It cost me $4,000. <laughs> and and what were you, what you high school rodeo or? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, high school rodeo. Yeah, and mainly calf rope and ribbon rope and that kind of stuff until I got, oh, probably. 15, 16, I, st- I met another friend, uh, and we started team roping. He taught me how to team rope, and so we ended up turning my calf horse into a heel horse. And Did we uh, ever have any rough stock aspirations? No, no, never did. Um, well, I say that. I Kind of got the build for it. I wanted to be a bronc rider, per se, but whenever I did finally start trying, I got bucked off over the front hundred times like <laughs> a bunch and but it's just the way that i always set forward naturally and i i have a cousin uh in gainesville and he rode bulls and he always tried to get me he's like you know draw your hand out on a piece of paper i'll have you a glove made you know and he's like come on and i'll help you i'll help teach you how to when you know you can you're little you're made for it you can ride bulls and i just never wanted to wouldn't we rode our steers all the time jacking around and, and was good at it i think but 
To be a bull rider, no. I didn't care about it. it not a real long-term no, deal. No. <laughs> no, and actually, I, I started actually trying to pursue bronc riding whenever um, I got out of, out of high school and was kind of on my own doing nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, there was a, uh, we had a friend and a mutual friend of my wife now. His name is Justin Henderson, and he rode bareback horses. And so I kind of got to be buds with him and and he kind of got me into it and he got me in my first saddle and you know and all that stuff so uh, I bought a pair of boots from uh, a thrift store or something they were yellow ostrich Mexican pointy toe deals <laughs> and I took them into the boot shop guy and had him make a, a riding heel on them and hell I made my own spurs the first time I went in the shop there and got some metal and made my own first set of bronc riding spurs and so anyways like Justin was my only guidance into that. I didn't have any uh, anybody else into it, but but in doing that, I was the I was too old to really start getting into it if I was going to take it serious. And so I tried, and I liked it, but I wasn't going anywhere with it. And by that point, it's when I kind of started meeting my wife, and she was like, "Dude, yeah, I ain't marrying no bull rider." Yeah, yeah, you know, and she knew, and like she knew all those people that. I was trying to fit in with and trying to go practice with, and they'd been doing it for two generations, you know, and they came out of the womb riding rough stock, and she was like, mm, it's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so how old are you then? Uh, 20, 21. What did you do after high school just uh, for work and stuff? Rode outside horses. So mm. back that up just a little bit. When I was 17, um, I was a... Hmm. outlaw child to put, to, to put this delicately <laughs> yeah, yeah i was an outlaw child um a mess and so i wanted to ride and went and talked to a, a very good horseshoer there in town his name's ray buck and just asked you know if he knew anybody that you know had a job riding horses and and i didn't know anything about horse training and and what this world is now that we know and he said, yeah, that there's a guy south of town named Toby Crow. He said, you know, he needs some help starting some two-year-olds. He's had some other kids get bucked off or whatever, and, you know, he needs some help. Okay. Um, so, and at that time, I had a very long, nasty, curly red hair. And uh, so, whenever, and, and earrings, and, yeah, and so whenever I went to go meet Toby, um, it was just one of those things where, like, that day, I took my earrings out, shaved my head the next day, and went, went and met my went and What? And so, wait a minute. <laughs> what possessed you to get earrings? I told you I was an outlaw kid. But, but I, 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 I wanted... How I, old were you? I was 16 when I got them. Uh-huh. You know, um... It's a clean cut range. Well, where from, did you get them? Um, I mean, this we're not. How my, old are you now? Now, thirty five. Thirty five. So that's like twenty or no? Yeah, it is too. Twenty, it is years, 20 ago. years ago. My best, I mean, it ain't. My best friend's uh, sister in law did them for us in her kitchen. <laughs> lucky. Yeah, <laughs> that was lucky. Yep, yep. We we're all <laughs> hanging around one day. Yeah, but anyways, um, so it's just one of those deals where like. I, I was an outlaw kid, but I, it was like I kind of always knew in the back of my mind, like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get any tattoos or anything, something that I couldn't get take away, out, take out yeah. or get away from or whatever. So 
like when I was in high school, I had long hair, and my mom she braided my hair in cornrows, and we'd go to the rodeo. Like we we thought we were the cool kids, you know. And this this is, but in hindsight, really, we were just the, the dumbasses. But that's awesome. But anyways, um, but that was a childhood, you know, and that's one of those things where like I can say, hey, I was I was a I kid. went there, yeah, I went there, I went and there. I was a kid and having fun, and and I lived it for what it was, and there was it was a good time in my life where. I learned a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't have learned, you know, not going there. But it's kind of good now having kids because I know I know that side of life <laughs> that I can protect them from or at least just steer away from a little bit. And I can do that. Or understand when yeah, they do exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, however I'm going to have to face it at that point, it's like I, I know that part of life. And it's one thing to know it and talk about it. It's another thing to just know about it. And talk mm. about it, so you know when that day comes, I can relate to it a little bit more. But because Wade, when, this kid thing, it's not as easy as everyone <laughs> is. No, no, but, it's a life changer for sure, but in a good way. And you never know. You like when you first start out. Chris is almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hasn't got I'm there on the edge of my seat. <laughs> like, you, like you think, well, my kid's this and my kid's that and. Man, you don't know what's coming. You just don't know. No, no. That it could be. It's, I'm not saying that there's that it's going to be bad. You just don't you know. You just don't know until that day happens, and you just deal with it. You deal however. with it as it comes. Yep. And it's funny, too, now, like my dad, he'll come and see me, and he laughs his butt off at, at my kids. He just laughs. He's so, like, so how see? many times have you heard you say, heard yourself say things your dad oh, said every time and you're all like, the time mm-hmm. yeah, now he, i know he, why he said it yeah he was right my mm-hmm. wife already sent she sent me a meme the other day that said it's it's a real bad day when you gotta discipline yourself out of your kids <laughs> <laughs> my wife tells me that too all the time she's like don't take it out on them for you trying to fix you I'm like, yeah you're right all right yeah. whatever so but my dad he's all the time he's like see you're paying for your raising, you're raising. Uh-huh. he's like i knew it would have come he's like and i'd eat it up now <laughs> and he can't do anything but just laugh it off and go on with it yep so but anyway, so how, how old are your kids right to now? me there uh Kixie just turned 10 and calls eight oh them's fun yeah. them's fun ages yeah they're fun right, right there right. yep yeah, it's the 16, 17s where you start thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> Should have sent you over I the hope they make it. I hope they make it. Yep, it's kind of like getting your stance in on a two-year-old. You know, you have your chance. If you miss that window, you got to deal with it the rest of the time. So. <laughs> so, where were we before I went on that rabbit trail? Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, I was 17 and went to work for Toby. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But. So anyways, I cut my hair, took my earrings out, and actually probably looked like a respectable, normal person. Yeah. You tricked him. Exactly. <laughs> he later found out down the road. It's everything. Yeah. But, but I didn't know anything. I just showed up one day and met him, and he said, yep, yeah, need somebody, and here we go to work. You know. And So I worked for him for a year and a half, um, got out of high school, and kind of told him, I said, you know, I don't want to go to college right now. I don't know what I want to do, but I'm going to go home and figure it out. So I, just, I quit, and I went home and just started riding outside horses for whoever. You know, I think I charged $600 a month. And we had a little, a small feed yard. I mean, it's just a, 
a few set of pins and some working pins there at the barn. Uh, your your my, dad had my, it. Yeah, yep. my dad. And uh, so, so the, what did you feed them off your own off the farming? No, I did fed them alfalfa. I bought alfalfa from the store. No, the feed yard, the cattle. Yeah, yeah, the food that we raised there on the. Dim. So your dad was just using his own product to make the feed yard. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. But like we didn't keep it full. It was just kind of a in and out. When you had the feed, yes, yep. So you do, you weren't buying outside, no stuff. No. Just when you had feed, you had a feed yard yep. with the weight on. So, uh, so did that go by the pound? Did you charge the the uh, on the feed yard? There, you're taking outside cattle. No, no, no they're just oh, all just, the, just our own okay, personal. Okay. Yeah, no, it it was just an in house deal where we had our our own set of pins and set of. I think there was there was three big lots and then one. Uh, one big lot that ran on the backside of those three. So, so are you buying the calves you put in the feed yard, no, or is it only no, what you're raising? Only what we're raising. Okay. So it's like we we had it to use it if we needed to. Like when sometimes because we didn't have all that much grass, and so sometimes we'd have to pull them off and put them in the pens and feed them for a while. So it wasn't a full full blown operation. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, that's where I kept those horses whenever I started riding. Was was up there in those pens. So you know, for a little while, I just we just rode horses and. How many do you think you keep? Uh, at that time, I had anywhere from 6 to 15. I mm. think 15 is the most I ever had at one time. That's um, a day. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so then then I uh, met my wife through that other guy, Justin Henderson, um, and Corey was friends with Justin, and he was kind of her um, uh, handyman type thing because my wife, she always had different houses that she flipped houses sometimes, and and so he would come over and help her work on stuff. And so I was over at his house one day, and he says, "Hey, come on, get in the truck, go with me. We got to go over here in this girl's house, and we got that house that she had had bus fuses, and the fuses had blown, you know. And so mm-hmm. I just happened to be over there, and he said, "Hey, come, come get in the truck, go with me. We got to go to this girl's house and do some work." I said, "Okay," and we went over there, and he changed the fuses and whatnot. But like that day, that's the first time I ever met my wife, and I knew. Right, right then. then it was like bam <laughs> that she's the one and and it's funny because like you hear people talk about that and you're like ah whatever you know it's like no i knew that did, that did was, she know that also oh heck no no <laughs> no <laughs> that, that's like persistence is the key okay? i had to wear her down for the next couple of years before i was even in the same realm as her you know like I was I was this little peon nerd kid trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing, and here she is. She's got you know her own business salon, hair salon established, and you know for a long time, and she's got all this credit to her. And another, I'm just this run around kid. Another woman with a bad picker. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. Noticing that, a trend. Yeah, now she's stuck with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. I just same way. I'm on the first date. My wife tells me she's not going to get married until she's 35. And I'm like, oh, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, when it popped in my head, it even it scared me a little bit, even. But same deal. Two yeah. months later, I give her a ring yeah. to the day. Perfect. That was fun. That's good. <laughs> so it took you two years to get, well, let's go, so then what? Uh, so After you meet her. Then I decided, you know, maybe I would go to college. And I didn't know what for, but. To impress her. No, no, not at all. Not at all for that. My mom's a school teacher there, and she taught microbiology for 17 years there. Um, By the time I 
graduated, and then she left and went to New York and, and taught up there at NYU and then came back. But so I was like, I need to go to college, but I don't know what for, so I'll just go get started, you know, taking basics. And so I would. I'd go to class in the mornings and then go home and ride my horses in the afternoon. Where at? They're in Canyon. Canyon, yeah, okay. At WT, West yeah, Texas mm-hmm. A&M. Uh, and that worked for the first two semesters. I say it worked. It didn't work. That's what I did, but it didn't work. So I, I showed up every day, went to class, and did good while I was in class. And then, so in this time period, that's when I met Corey. So I would get out of class and go stop by her shop there and just hang out for a little while, you know, just be there. And, and she was like, go away from me. You know? I got a business here. She's like, get away, you know. And so I just kind of kept hanging around. But that was my deal is I'd go to school and then I'd stop by and see her and then I'd go home and, and ride those horses. But I would never go home and do my homework after that. So I ended up failing the first two semesters there. And by that point, she had kind of got involved in my life enough to say, look, dummy you know if you're gonna do it do it right and quit jacking around and so what i did was um failed those first two semesters at wt and i transferred to amarillo college and so at my first semester at amarillo college i was actually doing okay you know passing all the classes doing my homework but Corey had a lot more influence in my life at that yeah and decisions exactly so so everything was going good. And then during that time, I'd kind of started riding some horses for, for my father-in-law, too. And, and they have, you know, some better horses and they judges in this deal. And so kind of got like a step up from what I was doing. And she was like, you know what? If you're going to ride horses, you need to learn how to ride horses the right way and go work for somebody that's the best and get a plan. You know, quit just doing this piddly stuff, you know, not... And at the same time, I was still kind of being a dumb kid, too, on the side of jacking around and mm-hmm. doing stuff I probably right. didn't need to do and all that other stuff. So so through them and through Toby and one of his main customers, the Cogdals, um, I don't know if you know them or not, they're big mm-hmm. ranch family yeah. in the cutting, they were one of Toby's main big main customers. And so I had gotten to meet them over the years and stuff. So Rank Cogdal, the oldest had a horse in training with Todd at the time. Uh, it was a Color Me Smart gilding. And so through a couple of people and, and God taking everything in the right place at the right time, I called Todd one day and asked him for a job. And he's like, look, look yeah, I need help, but I'm in Idaho at the, was the stallion stakes were up there. And he said, I need some help. I said, all right, well, I'm almost done with this semester of school. I'd like to finish and then come. He said, well, that's fine, but I can't promise you anything, you know. So I quit school the next day and got all the stuff packed up within that week, and I was at his house before he got home from the horse show. Wow, that's so. some dedication, huh? Todd, hey, so, Todd's killing the education program. Hey, but just one thing I want to point out. <clears throat> a lot of horse trainers have very intelligent parents and they are just a terrible disappointment for a long time (laughs) (laughs) for a long time yeah and then we can come around afterwards a lot of head knocking there for a while right (laughs) so you start out at todd's yeah and this is about when i was 21 right 21 years old yep because uh, i had 
I had just turned 21 in August, and uh, you can remember that night. Yep, yeah. remember that one for sure. <laughs> I actually asked my wife now to to come to the party. That's when we were still kind of dating or whatnot. I was still trying to introduce myself, and she looked at me like, "Boy, you lost your mind I'm coming to your you 21st have lost birthday." Or my, <laughs> yeah. But so within the next six months, it you know evolved quite a bit quickly. Um, but so then she stayed home and. And ran her business there in Canyon, and I'm left and went to Todd's, and I didn't know. And where's Todd now? Blanchard. Blanchard. Yep. So that was 2007. He had just won the fraternity on Smart Cracking Chick the year Mm. before. Yep. And he's got a barn full. Amen. Yep. And so, what about the? um, How much did that open your eyes? More than I knew. Or, or realized, you know, at like, the time, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, come because really, my only horse training experience had come from Toby, and I was only there for a year and a half, so like just enough to get started into. Um, so, do you even know about the cow horse that much yet? Okay, and if you do, why? Okay, because of Toby, and, and the only reason I knew about the cow horse at that, and I didn't know who Todd really was, right? So, the Cogdills, um are one of Toby's big customers there. And he there's uh, Rank, Dick, Jim, and Penny. So there's four of them. And he had horses with some of all of them, not at all at the same time. But what they would do is they kind of had a remuda sale uh, every year. And some of those horses that weren't good enough to go show or good enough to keep on the ranch or, or whatever, they'd sell those horses. So me and Toby loaded up one day and took some horses over to Todd's. And he taught us how to teach those cutters how to spin. And so Todd, he drew a square in the dirt, you know, with his boot. And he said, walk this horse in little circles inside this square until they kind of start stepping around there. You know, because they were all backing around that turn. And so he said, walk them forward in this square, you know, until they start stepping around there. And and then he kind of helped, you know, smooth it out a little bit from there. Mm -hmm. But that, that was my first lesson on how to teach a horse how to turn around so we spent i think two or three days with todd in the middle of the summer and sweated our butt <laughs> off right there, you know but even still i mean like we loaded up in the dark and drove all the way there and same thing when we left it was in late in the evening so i didn't know the terrain we were going through when we got there and so by the time the sun's coming up, I mean, like, there's trees and hills and water and creeks and wine. I thought like, you were in Eden. Yeah, I was like, or, or Arkansas or something. I was like, yeah. where the heck are we? But, um, so even. Said nobody ever about Blanchard, Oklahoma being mm. Eden. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're there for two or, three, two or three days riding and then go back home. And I still really didn't even have the concept of, where I had just been. Had you still... So, he helped you with the rain, but you still haven't seen the fence? No. Not still not. haven't seen it. No, like, I didn't know anything about raining oh. at all then. And right, except the square. <laughs> yeah, except the square. Yeah, the walk circles Stay in the square. square. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, I had... When I talked to him, uh, I had went back and, and interviewed, per se, one day, and... Uh, he said, get on this horse and go ride and go work this cow. And we're up there in the big arena. And I was like, I remember it was a paint horse by uh, Pepto Taz, one of his three-year-olds that year. And he says, go work this cow. And I'm like, well, okay. Work it. Uh, yeah. Let me give like it you don't even know what they yeah, no, right. I mean, give it shots, warm it. <laughs> no, they, in there? they kick a cow. And he's like, hey, go work this cow on that horse. I'm like, okay. So you don't, but when he tells you that, you don't, 
you haven't seen going down the fence. You no. know, like you don't know. No, nothing. I know nothing. I know like from cutting, you right stop and cow right stop. Yep, you okay. go and stop and turn. And so that's kind of what we do in this big arena. And, and you know, we go through a few turns there. And he says, "All right, that'll work." And I was like, "Well, how was that?" And he's like, "That'll work." <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, uh, so I go to work for Todd and. Basically, kind of the first thing I had to do was forget whatever I thought I knew and just fit in. Just be there and work and learn wherever I was and whatever this was and just Well, at least it, but he's not a very hard worker, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He mellowed by the time we got there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I think so he mellowed so, about six years later. <laughs> the definition of grinder. Yeah, absolutely. Could be, huh? Yep. And not only that, so whenever I had first got there, uh, like I say, he was still in Idaho at the stakes, and I think he got back the next day maybe, but all of his stall cleaning help had quit. So That was lucky. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Timing has always been on your side, Wade. Yeah, yeah. Tell my wife. She says the same thing. You have the worst timing ever. <laughs> but so through growing up, um, I – I can speak a little bit of Spanish, and so because I could talk to those guys, I mean, we all had to clean stalls those first few days, but once we started getting guys coming back, it was like, hey, you can speak Spanish? You're now, like, head Mexican guy. (laughs) So so I cleaned stalls for the first three weeks, probably, before I ever got to sit on another horse. Uh, And then once we got those guys back, then it was like, okay, you know, start saddling and walking around and all that kind of stuff. So that was my... First introduction into horse training life. <laughs> the cow horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's glamorous. So there was there was Todd, and he had another lady named Deb Orbio, um that was, I think, went to college with him up there at Finley. And then Valerio was an Italian guy that had been there for a little while. And so it was those three and me whenever I started there. And Valerio was uh, few, oh, four, five, six years older than me, and he, he rode all the two-year-olds. And Deb... <clears throat> rode all the reining horses because Todd still had quite a few reining horses at that time too. And so she took off control of all those. And then Todd kind of had all the cow horses too. And then, then him and Deb would mix, you know, in between some of those horses. Um, and so within, I'm going to say two or three months of me starting there, I got to start taking over all the two-year-olds. Um, just, I, I guess, because whatever I knew was maybe a little bit more than what Valerio could get done or something but like my role and Valerio's roles kind of switched within those couple of months like I went from saddling horses to them to him saddling horses for me riding those two-year-olds um, and then then I kind of started getting an understanding about more so what we were doing and but as far as the whole cow horse aspect and the raining and going down the fence and all that stuff, no, I still still not. No, no still not. You're just you're you you're getting two year olds trained. Yep, yep exactly. Start Which is right, cold. left, stop, back. Exactly. And then so for a long time it was monkey see, monkey do. You know, I, I'm trying to watch and figure out what he's doing and why he's doing and how he's doing it, and then just kind of trying to emulate the same thing on these other horses. And then you know, every now and then he see me digging a hole in there and some he'd come bail me out and say hey you're doing this wrong Whoa. You know, let me let me show you why <laughs> yeah. you're doing it, you know or something like that but a lot of it was just watch and learn and try and do the same thing to get whatever 
he was Boy, getting done. The hard that, thing about Todd is he's so progressive, mm-hmm. and he's always looking for the new thing. You know what I mean? Like, and he's awesome, and it's kept him so current yep. for so long because he's always evolving. And so, I mean, I know when I worked there, shoot, he'd be doing one thing for a week. Next week, it be, might be different, <laughs> totally deal, different, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and he's still staying consistent with his deal, but from the outside looking in, you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. right. Or why are you, you doing, keep why are you doing that? Yeah, so and, just as trying as far as trying to watch and copy, yeah. he was constantly trying new stuff. And yeah. so it was like Wait, what do you it, what do you copy and what <laughs> get, you, like, get like your what butt chewed for copying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, didn't you see that that didn't work? <laughs> I give that up a week ago. <laughs> Why the hell are you doing that on that two year old? And this one's seven. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> what so? What about t- the change from Canyon, Texas, to drinking out of a fire hose with that number of horses and trying to keep up at that? I mean, you're trying to emulate Todd Crawford. It's hard. <laughs> I mean, what an exp- what a what a lucky, unlucky situation. Exactly. But the thing that saved me was I didn't know any different, so I wasn't trying to hold on to any kind of right self pride or or I didn't have a place. So my place was just to follow. You right. Know I mean, it's like I'm here for you and whatever you need, and if you need it, say it. You yeah. know, and so. That made it a lot easier for me because I didn't know any different. I didn't have any other expectations. Um, just get in where you fit in and f- and figure it out. But but it was hard, you know, and especially when spring turned into summer, and now knowing this, summer turns into fertility crunch. <laughs> you know, it was like, wow, you know, and and so that that first summer kicked my butt uh, for sure. And I think I had one heat stroke in there one of those days and. Uh, I had left on a Saturday afternoon uh, after work to go meet one of my friends in Oklahoma City at the Bass Pro Shops. And so I drove up there, and I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for him. And he he pulls in, and we get out, and there's a Sonic right down the street from Bass Pro Shop. And so we go in that Sonic to get a bite to eat. Well, shoot, we walked right in the door, and it was freezing cold air, that air conditioner. And, like, we're standing in line looking at the menu to uh, – Order. Uh, to order and all of a sudden i start getting cold and seeing stars and i can't see anymore and i tell him oh, hey I, I pulled my wallet out and handed it to him i said you're gonna have to pay for this i can't see anymore and the next thing i know i'm in the bathroom and he's splashing water on me slapping me in the face and i'm like what happened you know and he's like do you just collapse you just hit the, hit the floor and he said he carried me in the bathroom and he's like i thought you died dude and he's like i don't know what happened okay man down <laughs> yeah so uh, I, f- I figured that that's probably what it was but so we we drink a lot more water <laughs> yeah, I learned that. Eat, eat a lot of bananas stay hydrated you know? hydrated I mean, there's times you wake up in the middle of the night just going, oh, I've got to have something to drink. You know, get up and just chug a great big old jug of water or something in the middle of the night and pass out and go back to sleep. And there's a lot of times we'd, he'd give us an hour for lunch. And here's the thing that's funny, too. Like, over the years, there's a handful of us kids that are working, you know, in our early 20s. And here we are going to the house for an hour at lunch and we'd had that air conditioner on and there's times we didn't eat lunch I mean, we just walk in and just bam hit the couch and sleep for 45 minutes you know and then there's deb okay so i think she's a year younger than todd i think 
she wouldn't even hardly eat lunch. Like she'd go to the house, make a sandwich, and come back within thirty minutes. Oh, so little trick: don't take your boots off. No, no, no. take and your so boots I, off. I don't eat lunch hardly anymore. Yep. Like on my own, I don't. I snack all day long, but I don't stop for lunch. I don't know how much uh, money Todd saved me. <laughs> I don't do lunch either. Yeah. You just can't. It, uh-huh. It'll zap you. But then, I mean, we had to. It was like that That was our rest and, and revive was sleeping more than eating lunch. But Deb, she's a trooper. You know, she'd outwork all of us kids. <laughs> yeah. She'd drag you to death by lunch. Somebody tied you to her butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so you're there for five. Yeah, five and a half years. You know, and I think the second or third year he let me start showing uh, oh yeah uh and i'd never shown a horse at all in anything <laughs> like nothing so the very first time was uh at the pre-fraternity and that's when it was in waco we had a he had a three-year-old chick please gilding his name was justin and this horse wasn't 13 hands tall and he had a high neck <laughs> like, his back's at 13 his head's <laughs> like at 28 like this horse he he could he was an athlete like he could stop and turn around and run but he was little bitty and ugly little high neck you know but he was my buddy like we, he was my horse and i used the heck out of him and like anytime cows got out or whatever i'd take off on him and we'd go rope him there's one time uh i had one roped and on the road and he crawled through the fence and so I'm on one side tied on to this three-year-old, this little bitty, and got a yearling on the other side of the pasture. So Trevor, that's when Trevor got there finally, he had to go hold the rope, and I had to turn loose and go trot around the pasture and get it again get it. and then drag him back the other way. <laughs> but he let me show this horse down there at that, at that pre-fraternity in Waco, and it was hot, you know, same thing, and, and nerves got to me. And I remember going in the pen, and it was one of those trot to the center, lope off into your large fast. And right when you got to the wall, that camera flash flashed and spooked him. That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember coming back out of the pen and be like, how was that? <laughs> That's the last thing I remember out of that run. <laughs> camera flash spooked him or spooked you? Both of us. It was off to the races. <laughs> Everybody's gone. <laughs> Yeah. So, but um, the next year um, was fortunate enough to he he let me show a four year old uh, smart little scoot that belonged to Larry and Ellen Bell, and I got to show him at the Hackamore out there in in Reno, and that's the first time I'd been to Reno, and I had that and a, a fraternity horse. You, you know, we're talking earlier about um, sometimes not having horsepower for those open guys to train and and show, but here come us little guys coming in and he had one of those three-year-olds it was a little bay mare by light and fine and mm. her name was joker um but same thing so that year i got to show a fraternity horse and a hackamore horse um it was pretty fun hey that larry and, and ellen bell man they have done so much so much. for this whole industry and it's so awesome when somebody like that like we had talked to some guys uh earlier about the people that helped him Get started out. Taylor Gillespie was here a little earlier and about um, those owners that let them go. And look what, how much it does for you yep. to let you get in that pen on one of them horses. Well, and, and so like for that deal, um, this was my first time to ever 
go to Reno and show, and I had two horses, a fraternity horse and a hackamore horse, and they only entered me up in the limited open hackamore, um, and so ended up winning that deal, but if, come to find out, if they had entered, you know, in the regular hackamore, I would have made the finals for the, yeah. the open deal, too, but it didn't, and, and that's all fine and good, because it was... It was more but than it makes you it make it gives you that taste like hey oh, I yeah. could have made it in the open yep. you know what I mean yep. and so then from then on you enter it yep. and, and maybe you wouldn't don't make it for another two years yeah, that, that's usually <laughs> what happens <laughs> yeah uh, but I got lucky that year too and that that fraternity horse I made the limited and the intermediate finals oh, on her nice yeah so that was that was a good year and along with Todd having I think that year he had six fraternity horses and. I don't remember how many bridal horses and non-pros stuff along too, but but that was the other deal too. Was he he let me start having a piece of the pie, but it was still his deal. This is you work for Todd Crawford and I'm first and you're second. If yeah, if you get way, it's got to be yeah. That's what it is, uh, and that's one of the things that I learned along the way from Todd is like whatever you give him he'll repay back to you. Yeah, I was just going to say that, man. Yep. I mean, that's incredible about that guy because, like, yep. you go bust your hump for him, and he's going to find a way, One way or to another. get it back for you. You yep. know, I mean, he made deals for me, you know, uh, with people to let me show stuff yep. and stuff like that. And I mean, things that he didn't need to do. Well, uh, here's what's funny is you didn't know you were going to leave him, but he did. Yeah. He he knows that. He yep. knows that that he's a stepping stone for you. Somewhere And he lets you... And he'll let you take that step. Yep. You know, if he was, if they weren't, if they weren't good people, they would never let you on one. Right. And then you would be there longer. Yep. But it's good that you see someone who lets, even in the bells too, let you get that step and step towards being your own business. Yep. And it's just like this year when we went down to the, uh, all the announcement ceremony or whatever for the world's greatest Larry and Ellen were up there handing out the numbers yes. and whatnot and so when I went up there you know they both gave me a great big hug and they're like you know we've been there from the start and I said you know you're right and and I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for y'all you know they were the start they were the start yeah <laughs> I and mean, they're yeah first one I ever got to go that's the first buckle I ever won in any of this was was on that horse uh. light scooter well, I yep. just That's I love cool. them people. I love yep. that Ellen Bell yep. so no, much. They're awesome. And Larry Bell, there's so there's people that are natural at all kinds of things. Natural at riding, natural at running, natural at putting a basket in the hoop. Larry Bell is natural at knowing right from wrong. I, that guy, like the time I served on the board with him, he has such a great moral compass. And he'll he'll slow down and he'll think it out and figure out what to do. It's natural for him to do the right thing, and yep, he t- yep. it takes his I time to do it. it. Right. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, yeah I wouldn't yeah. be in three court cases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, what was um, before we lead Crawford's? What do you think is probably the biggest thing you learned there going forward? Wade. I mean, uh, it doesn't have to be. I mean, there's probably a thousand things, but what's that no. thing that just jumps out in your mind? How to work. How to work. How to work hard. And I knew how to work beforehand. He taught me how to work hard. Because uh, I don't know very many people that work as hard as him. That man works hard. Mm. That's, yeah. Yep. That's, that's cross the board. Yep. 
So that's probably the biggest thing that he or that I took from that whole experience, um, because with that, you can <gasps> you can achieve wherever you want from there. Yep. You know, the rest of the, the rest kind of falls into place. And he taught me how to work hard. Mm. That was probably one of my best compliments is uh, AJ went to work for him after he'd been with me for six years. And he said, well, whatever he is, he's been at your house. He knows how to work. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I can Thank take you. that. Yeah. I Thank can take that. Thanks. Yeah. That might have been the last good thing you said about that situation, but <laughs> that runs deeper than a lot of other right. stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Russell, I got some exciting news. We got us some cool stuff coming from Kimes Ranch Jeans. They're going to be uh, providing us with some stuff we can give away to our listeners. Well, that's awesome. Hopefully, that'll make them look as good as you. Well, you can only wish. You could only wish. <laughs> we got to take a shot, man. We got to take a shot. We got to give them a shot. <laughs> yeah. No, these they're great jeans. I mean, they're really getting out there promoting the Western lifestyle all over the place. Before the world's greatest this year, a group of us went down to Key West, Florida for uh, the Mile Zero Fest, little Texas music festival in the beautiful Florida Keys. And it was a phenomenal time. And that whole event was sponsored by Kimes Ranch Jeans. I mean, they had a heck of a showing down there. It was a good time. You hey, missed it. So they're not just promoting cow horses. They're promoting the Western lifestyle across the nation. Across the board. I'm telling you, they're looking to take over the world. They're unbelievable, you know, and they're just, uh, they're great jeans made in America by Americans for Americans. I'm going to tell you what, you want to uh, be comfortable out here, uh, whether you're uh, riding your horse or uh, going to a concert and you want to look good being comfortable. You get into these contrast jeans, they're unbelievable. Number one, made in American for Americans. If you're not sure what we're talking about, they're the brand with the horns. Check it out. Pretty cool stuff. Matt and Amanda Kimes, super, super, super proud to have them on our team and uh, just going the same direction. And like I say, just promoting this lovely Western lifestyle that we all live and love. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so you... How do you get out of Todd's and start on your next part? So that fourth year that I was there, um, Garth and Amanda Gardner were reprogramming their efforts at that point, and they were building their facility at their house. And they, they previously had horses with a lot of different trainers scattered out, and they wanted to condense that into their own place and have their own training facility there at their house, and they wanted to hire an in-house trainer. And so at this time, uh, Trevor had told Todd, has kind of had given Todd his notice that after the reigning fraternity, he was going to leave and go work for Casey Hinton. And this, and this is, is Trevor Dare. Trevor Dare. Trevor Dare. Yeah. Trevor Dare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so during the – I think we still had a, a horse show in – September in Stephenville. I think that's when it was. I mean, it was we were down there in Stephenville at this horse show, and Todd hems me up at the stalls one evening and says, hey, i got to talk to you about something, and uh, I just can't not tell you about it. And I was like, okay, you know, what? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know where, where he was going with this, but he said, Garth came to me and asked me if he could hire you to come be their in-house trainer. And and he was like, damn, you know, Trevor's leaving, you know, and now you're wanting to take him. He's like, I'm going to lose two of my guys right here. But he told me, he's like, I, you've been good to me, and I can't not tell you about this opportunity. And so when he told me that, it was like, uh, it's way above my head. You know, I, I never imagined something like that. And so I asked him, 
am I ready for something like that? He said, well, I can't answer that. He's like, that's something you're going to have to figure out. Um, but he said, I'll tell you this. He said, I didn't start showing cow horses until I was 30. And at that time, I think I was 24, maybe. I think 24 then. So for the next, I don't know, three or four months, me and Corey talked about it and talked about it with Garth and Amanda. And it was like, we we set it all up. We went up there and we took a tour of the whole place and they fed us the hands down best steak we have ever, <laughs> ever, ever had in our life. I'm talking, you cut that thing with a fork and it was butter. <laughs> Delicious. But they walked us out through the pens and they showed us, hey, these are all the... These are all the two-year-olds. These are all the babies, you know, coming up. This is this, this, and this, and this, this is all going to be yours, you know, and here's the barn, and here's your house, and here's the arena, and turnkey, like, here you, here you go. You know, this, this is all yours. We, we talked about it for months. Finally came to the, to the decision that I don't think I was quite ready for that big of a step, that much responsibility all on me, all in the middle of nowhere, Ashland, Kansas, all by myself. Right, no no, no lifeline. Yeah, you know, but no, th- this is everything that you've ever wanted right in the palm of your hand and make it work. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, that, that's one of those deals that you got to know you can deliver the outcome that that type of person wants out of yep. the deal. And I wasn't convinced that I could give them that. Which is... Open checks. Absolutely. Not that ain't that's not yep. limited open checks. Nope. That's that's open, open checks. That's open checks at every horse show. Mm. Because they're giving you the horses that's gonna take. They're giving you the rig that's ready to get there and the facility. The facility and there's no excuses at yep. that point. And so I wasn't really sure that I was ready for that. So I went back home and I, um, we talked to Todd about it and I said, Hey, if I don't take this deal, can I still stay with you? And he said, Yeah. And I said, I'm going to stay. Um, and so, I mean, that that was like one of the best opportunities that you could ever be offered with. But at that time, I felt like it was maybe just a little too much mm-hmm. for what I was ready for, to deliver the outcomes that, that they needed. Um, so, in hindsight, we're still very good friends with them, and they have sent us horses and customers along the way um, so that we still maintain a good relationship with them there. Um, some other people. Hey, got but to- so now that you're older, Wade, you realize what kind of a deal, what kind of a person Todd Crawford is to lose Trevor Dare mm-hmm. and offer you to leave because when you got the kind of horses he's got, Chris, and you lose a guy like that right there, so you've been there four years, mm-hmm. he's relying on you by then. Yep. But to give you the shot at it to his own detriment, going and replacing two guys. Oh, at that level, two four-year-old guys, anybody, Lee Deacon shaking his head over there on the couch. We all know what kind of sacrifice for Todd that is for you to do what's best for you and then still keep you. I mean, keeping you is less of a accolade to Todd than giving you the opportunity for the job and pushing for it. And at that time, I already had one kid. We had Kixie then as well, too, so... Mm. I already had my own family started mm. at that point too, you know, and and in those um, those years with Todd, it was me and Trevor and Dustin Rogers. Well, I, there were there were a couple other people: Kane Emmons, Ron Emmons' son, mm-hmm. um, Carter Metcalf, 
Mm. You know, there were there were a few other people there that had come and gone in the midst of there. So there was there was three years there at Todd's that were good, good years. Like, I mean, he had eight, nine fraternity horses at a time, and those horses were good. And like Deb, she mentored all of us kids. You know, she kept us kept us in line and told us. She's like know, the house mother. Yeah, she was for sure. Um, and then whenever she left, then it was then it was all of us kids there trying to hold it together and they were good years and Todd had good horses and and like it worked like it's supposed to and it was fun I mean we were all just eating it up you know this was it was the high life you know and and so anyways then this step comes in and it was like hmm so who took that job Kelby is that uh is that before uh Jayton Lord yeah before Jayton Kelby's first and then Jayton yep yeah and it worked. But kudos for you because I think you're probably right. You could go up there and get crushed. Yep. You know, you got to know. You're, you got to know where you're at. No, it's all about being smart self-aware. Of you. Kathy Dawn told me it's all, horse training is all about being self-aware. Yep. yep. And I mean, for the guy that showed, <laughs> shaved his head and pulled his earrings out, and that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty a dull decision, right there. Because well, and here's the thing, though this this is not all, not even not all. This is only a partial bit. My influence. My wife has been my mentor through yep. all of this, right. and she's so much smarter about these life and business decisions than I am. So it was. It was like. I live kind of on a day-to-day basis, like I'm in the moment kind of stuff. She mm-hmm. sees the whole big picture and the long-term goal, so she helps me in my flaws of. She could see, hey, grab that gold, grab that brass ring. Yep. But we can't even throw it at the clown's mouth. Yep. Like, what are you thinking? Yep. Yeah, I know it looks great, but it's like, hey, you're pretty good on the high school court. You want to go one-on-one with Shaquille O'Neal? <laughs> I mean, that's what, I mean yeah, you're right. setting yourself up for, I mean, it's fun to go the, to the NBA, yeah, but yeah. hey. But can you hang there? Hey, you know, man, you, really you need to, to be there. Uh, yeah, you yeah. need to get, you'll get there. Yeah. It's just not today. And so that's, that's the path that we took. And so in that being said, told Todd I wanted to stay, I stayed. And for one more year. Uh, and it was only for one more year, but in that one year, we figured out a whole lot more about ourselves and where we were. Big a, year. It's a big it, year. Yeah, it was a learning year. You know, like not a whole lot more happened that um, was the big climbing climax kind of stuff. You know, we didn't have any great big wins or anything right there, but it was just it was a learning year about ourselves and our family and our and where we are in this business and. So in that in that decision, it's like okay, you know, now it's time to leave. And and Todd had good help there whenever we were leaving, and Trevor had actually come back at that point, so he was back into Todd's program again. So he had some stability there. So whenever we decided to leave, it was like okay, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? You know, and so we didn't have the money to go buy something or go buy any kind of place, or so it was like all right. I want to go where Todd goes to for help. I want to go to where all the other guys go to for help. You know, where did they go? Don Murphy. Don Murphy. Okay. And at the time, Don wasn't, uh, didn't have a whole lot going on as far as training out of his facility. So uh, it just kind of worked out that I was able to move down here and lease his facility from him and rent stalls and 
that's when we moved down here to Marietta. Went to Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> the Godfather. Yoda. Yeah. yeah. So, Godfather. So that was a whole nother adventure. Adventure on itself. Yeah, too. So uh, here I am. When I left Todd's, my son was a month old. Okay. So we had two kids. Call was a month old. And it Jeez, was, it was uh, the 1st of December. Okay. Hardest time of horse training life or horse training year <laughs> come mm. come to figure that out now but mm. we we had one horse in training at that time <laughs> yep. can you say leap of faith yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah for sure so uh mm. to say that god takes care of us is a wait, wait, who does god take care of <laughs> children <laughs> children <laughs> and ignorant yep. drunks and fools <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so we move in there at dawn's and Don's still riding a few horses at that time, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And so. So, so it was winter time, so he wasn't riding too much because it couldn't get too cold there. Um, but what ended up, so like I leased stalls from him, and we just paid, you know, however many horses I had, that's how many stalls we, we paid for. And he, uh, we worked out a deal where I rode a few horses for him in trade for free cattle. Um, and so the, the horses that I rode for him, um, were his and Eric's stories. And Eric's stories where we got our cattle from, so that was kind of our trade there. Um, and that first, in, in that December, Don went down there to the cutting fraternity and bought some yearlings down there with Eric. And so then I got to start those horses the next year. Um, and as they turned out, um, one of them went to Todd, was a raised dual badger that Todd ended up showing, and now Sam Smith shows. Oh, right there. Yeah, yep. That mare, there's, yep. she's a bridal horse now. Yep. Um, so that was one of them. Uh, the horse that Greg Lafitte owns, that bay mare, yep. she was one of oh, them. Oh, no kidding. Yep, she was yeah. one of those two. Stuart Bozeman has a bay, I'm counting checks mare, mm-hmm. that he shows in the cutting. Uh, that was one of them. Pretty good little set of horses. It was a good set. Of, yeah, so <laughs> we, we started with five, um, and those were the three best ones. A fourth one was one that Galen's ended up buying, who's a buy high bobcat or something. Uh, I can't remember what the fifth one was. Uh, but anyways, the, that first set of horses that we started uh, are still here and have turned out to be some really good steady show horses. That's cool. So so what about the difference, Wade, when you, you're learning at Todd's, but he's the boss and you're trying to grasp where he's going. Then you go to Murphy's. Now you're trying to learn what I'm doing. But, yeah, <laughs> right. Now you're yeah. trying to learn. But now, you know, sometimes when you're working for somebody, you're judging what they tell you. Mm-hmm. Then when you're on your own, it's like, whoa. What am I doing? What in the world? Yeah. So what about the change there? So that was one of the biggest things that Don helped explain to me. Was, and this was what was great about him is every morning, He'd come down there in the tack room, and he'd sit in his chair and drink a cup of coffee, and he'd talk to me while we were saddling horses. And there was a lot of talk in that tack tack room talk uh, where he would just talk and explain, you know, stuff to me about horse training and horse training life and showing and and a lot of it from him growing up uh, and how he had to figure it out. And, you know, a lot of it, like he says back in his time, everything was a secret. 
you know, stalls were built solid to the wall so they couldn't see what you were doing to your horses in there. And, you know, a lot of times those older guys would tell you to do the wrong thing so that they could beat you, you know, and, and just stuff like that. And, and he's like, it's not like that anymore. You know, there's a whole lot more mutual camaraderie. Everybody's helping everybody and you're sharing ideas instead of keeping them to yourself. But one of the biggest things that he taught me was how to think about what I'm doing for myself and for my horse's future um not so much right now in the moment but like he used to say if you can grow or progress a quarter inch a day or a half an inch a day and just take the little bits at a time that you will grow continually instead of trying to go an inch or a foot you know taking two steps forward and one step back he's like if you'll just take one step forward every day then you can progress those horses and, and just a lot of that kind of training aspect. Like like one time he was helping me on, on that horse I had, Chico, and he said, you're ruining him for six months down the road, and you don't even know it. He's like, what you're doing to that horse today, you don't know it, but in six months down the road, you're going to be battling another problem that you don't even know is coming. And so stuff like that. Like he, he taught me how to think on my own about what I was doing today and how to progress that to six months a year two years down the road um and like you say i got well we all kind of get caught up in working for somebody of doing the day-to-day routine and just going through the motions sometimes and this is just what we do but whenever it's you and you're on your own and you got to figure it out and you're the one that's got to fix it and put it back together later down the road when it falls apart you you start thinking about what you're doing or why you're doing it or how you're doing it, you know, and, and he taught me a lot of that, just sitting there in the tacker and talking. And a lot of second guessing. Oh, every day. You're on, you're on. You <laughs> know talking, I mean? talking about taking them little steps, you know, and just getting a little every day. What I've really found venturing out and doing other disciplines, like I've been trying to play with some cutters, you know, yeah. but so when I worked in cutters, this year has been the first year that I've, feel comfortable just working them and getting that little bit and getting that little bit of that one little component that I need today where in the years past Keep I wouldn't work my snaffle bitters like this I'd work them and get a little be done try them again tomorrow them cutters like they only got to do one event surely they, they need to feel great. like they can cut they can do it great today yep and I and I mean and I just overdo it uh, every, yep. and yep. I mean every day and it was like Mike Sarah don't let me do that. Like, <laughs> I mean, am I on an island babe. here or what? Like, stop letting me do this. Like, and mm-hmm. and so that's, but it's such a hard deal because if you don't have the confidence in the program, you want to see the big change now, or you don't believe it's working. Yep. And once you get the confidence in the program, no matter what the program is, if you have the confidence in it, then you're willing to take that little bit of improvement today and be like, hmm, good. Got it. Because you kind of know where you're going to be tomorrow. That's it. And you know that at this rate, we'll be fine. Yep. But when you're not sure, it's like... I need it all today. I need it today. (laughs) You know, Greg Greg Ward used to preach to me all the time, look, if you get 1%... A day. Yep. I would and love to know who said that first. Because I mean, everybody days, gets. <laughs> yeah, everyone says it. So, and then he's like, so if you get half a percent in a day, you have a fully trained horse in 200 days. Yep. So think about how little you really need today. Not much. Yep. Not much. Because 
the whole two-year-old year is 365 days, and then you don't even show them till the next year. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so slow way down. But at the same time, when you're young and you're struggling and you're trying to figure this stuff out, you don't even know what the half a percent was. No, that's Not it. Only. And then your owners show up and like, that doesn't hey, look good yeah, enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you've been on there 90 days, dude. What are you, what are you doing? Hey, I'm going to tell you what, four, <laughs> years in a, four years in a row, July or later, I lost my best snaffle bidder because the owners didn't think they were good enough. And each one of those years, I made the finals on one that wasn't as good as what the owners took uh, out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because the owners didn't think they were doing enough. Man, you want to talk about that hurts. I imagine. Hurts. Yep. I mean, and you're, you you're trying deep. to do deals. You're you trying to do deals. <laughs> and, they yeah. want, and they're not even like, I offered to pay the whole route to take one. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not going to let you do that. Cut you me, might hurt him. Yeah, you might but hurt if you him. go the other way, then you cripple him yeah. trying to make him better. Yeah, yep. right. And then you're still the bad guy either way. Yep. Yes. That's it. Mm. It can be a tricky situation. That's a fine little line to yeah, walk yeah, right yeah. there. So when, when you're young and naive enough, like those kind of things don't even register in your brain. Yeah. You know, not so. So, to, so what is your, you, t- you work t- learn to work hard from Todd. What's your biggest thing you got out of Murph's? How to think. How to think. How to think for myself and how to think broad spectrum, you know, and think forward in progression to work toward a goal of what you're setting it up to be, not as much as what it is today. Uh, You know, like I have to say, that's so awesome to hear because Murph came late in my life after I'd already uh, wrecked my career and was headed downhill. (laughs) And and I felt like that was what I got from him is how to think again. Yeah. Think about the training. Yep. And and that's one of the, like, like I worked for Todd for five and a half years, and it was the best five and a half years of my life. Uh, and I credit everything that I have today to coming from him and going from not knowing anything to knowing the very little bit that I did leave. Um, there was There was so much greatness there. But... A lot of it kind of came from he was my boss, and it was monkey see, monkey do. And I am I was always trying to be him and trying to do it like he did and get my horses to do like what his were doing. It wasn't always at the right time, and dang sure it probably wasn't the right way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but but whenever I left and, and China had to start figuring it out on my own, it was – learning how to set up the building blocks for it and don helped me do that and a lot of it came from patience and everybody preaches to me slow down mm. <laughs> i'm slow so down. tired of hearing that <laughs> okay but but he he kind of helped a lot of that sink in to where you know like before i get like todd would already be in those steps mm. of, of he would know the timing and the feel and have it all set up, and he could go be making full runs. Well, here I am just trying to force a full run into a halfway prepared horse, just trying to make it look the same. Well, so, like, Don kind of slowed that down a little bit for me. He's like, look, just go track around the arena until that horse is ready to listen and rate the cow until the cow's ready to turn the horse. And Don't try to do it with your ability. Yep. And that's a hard thing, Wade, yep. because I've watched you and you have athletic ability and you have the ability to rear a cow. <laughs> so it's hard yep. to wait on the horse because you can go a little faster and cover some stuff up with what you're reading. 
but then the horse isn't learning it. Right. And it doesn't look as pretty. Do you either. think yeah. Yeah. And that's another that's a whole nother stage in itself to learn too is and learn how to train one, sure. Go learn how to show one. Uh, and and there are horse trainers and there are showmen and there are a few that are really good at both. Damn few. Um, that's a, I mean that's a hard. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean everybody has to agree on that one. Oh, I'm telling you. Sure. No, that's it. So yeah. in the aspect of learning how to now deal with my own problems I've created or <laughs> or whatever, I have to go cover that up a little bit sometimes when I go show. So now, and and you know sometimes. Not so much now, but in the beginning is like showing horses that maybe weren't quite good enough yep. for what I needed to get done, but I still had to get it done. So it's like showing them to the fullest of their potential, but making it look pretty to where the judges are going to pay you for it. And that's taken me several years to figure that out as to make it look pretty, even if it doesn't feel as good. And even to recognize, like I know sometimes... Early on, you make all the moves, and they're fast and radical, and then you're depressed at what they mark. And you're like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I was as fast and hard as everybody else, and it takes a while to realize, hey, you didn't look that good. Yep. Yeah, it I was that like fast. It was that like. hard. Right. Yep. You know, and... Yeah, and then, then you get mad, like, why didn't they pay me for it? Like, right. Well, because it was wild and ugly and forceful and <laughs> ugly, ugly and forceful even <laughs> yeah. though all yeah. the parts were there yeah. and the degree of difficulties there but the appeal man it yeah. ain't there yeah and so that's a whole can't, nother can't mark as high yeah that's a whole nother lesson and that you got to learn along the ways too and when you start feeling that it's so tight. this might be a little out of order but uh speaking of pretty runs you made a run down the fence on truly scrumptious in las vegas yeah, and it you. was I'm talking about the coolest, the coolest fence run I've ever seen. I watch a lot of fence runs. I ain't never seen nothing like this. I never felt nothing like that. <laughs> it, it, what was so disappointing to me about it was that when I went back and watched it on video, it's like it wasn't there. It's like it didn't happen almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just a run on video. Like it's not, you want to talk about a run that something takes away, but I don't know if you were there, if you remember this, Russell, but he runs down there and makes first turn on this mare, and she runs down there, and they are carrying the mail, mister. I'll find it. And, <laughs> and she heads this cow, and you know how we want them to beat that cow out of there, but she gets yep. to the ground so hard, so quick, and rips her nose back through this turn and beats this cow. Well, this cow heads again right there, like in the middle of the turn, and reads, and she, her body had to have been in an S-curve. Because she was bent all the way to the right with her nose all the way over here and then brings her nose back this way while her body's still bent this way. And like, it was like a Matrix ninja move. <laughs> I mean, it was unreal. And she catches him because, you know, when that happens, I've had some do this where they beat that cow right. that turn. Oh, the and then you get up there and you got to go kind of bounce him off the corner yep. most of the time yep. because you don't have no arena to catch back up. But there wasn't none of that. It was just. And then, and then she let that cow out of that turn and went and went again. And I was like, man, I got to go back. And I run up to, after he watched it, and I'm hooting and hollering, beating on the fence, the coolest freaking thing I've ever seen. Mark, huge one around there, I think, if yeah. I recall. So I had to follow Kelby on Hickory Holly time. He marks 225, and yeah. here I come in right after that, and she did that, Yeah, and they marked her 26. Yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, it was outstanding. So I run up the hill to watch the replay, and the replay – 
it, it's good, but like it wouldn't like what? It, no, yeah. I mean it. T- like when you see this, you, you're not. I don't even know if you're going to see it. I haven't seen this in years. So what was fun about that whole deal was, yeah, she she caught that cow like she was tight enough that that cow wasn't going to take the turn and and would have come back out of there and went to the corner, but she caught him and, and brought him back. And then the rest of the run was great. But not only that run, that that run got me back into the finals because I wasn't good enough in the other ones to not have had that. But in the finals, I didn't have as strong of a cow. And so we go down there and kind of make a decent first turn. And the second turn, when we came out of that second turn to go circle, she was on it to, like, go get that cow in circle. And as soon as we come out of that hmm. turn, that cow fell down, and she snapped back through that. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, like, she did that same – she read the cow twice like that in two different runs that was all her. And and then I remember coming out of there, you said, I've never seen a cow fall down, add degree of difficulty to the run. Right. Because, like, she was leaving that turn to go circle, and that cow fell, and she just, boom, right back to it. Yeah. And when we got back to it, he had just stood up, and we went and circled. I think they marked it a 214 or something, but – uh, well, that's one of them. You don't even care what they market. Yeah, I don't care. It's like I was leaving to go circle, and she was too. And then, whoop, nope, we're coming back. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just watched that run, and like that first turn's crazy. Wow. And I you got to back it up and look at it again to see what she does. Right. Like that, she really like said, beats that. Like an so yeah. it's not even that. It, it's the, the amazing thing is her reading that. Yeah. She reads she's going to beat the cow and gets back over there and makes it go the way she's supposed to. And he is not fast enough to do that. <laughs> no. He's fast. Like, no, he's and, fast. and he's fast. No man can no. do that. No one. No, I mean, that, that is crazy. Like, and I just can't overemphasize how much that video took off of it. Yeah. I, yeah, right. I know. If you haven't, if so, oh. if you don't tip me off, to look for it i don't know that that it's really there you yeah. know what i mean but, but when, when, when you, you guys are talking right there, about it yeah. and i see it i'm like that's wait. crazy and and we were hooking it too i mean we were going oh, oh man <laughs> and it's not just a little bit cool that the cow kicks at you in the boxing <laughs> <laughs> comes out and kicks at you <laughs> yeah so no that yeah. was fun and what? and just like that kind of deal so she was a four-year-old then and i didn't really have any good luck with her at the fraternity so that was her first you know, big show that that I that's the first time I'd ever went to Vegas for that deal, and so like that was that was a big big thing for me. Um, and I got a pretty good compliment from Don after that. You know, he came out and he said, "You made a good fence horse." Well, and so what's so great to uh, to it? Uh, what great about it for me, Wade, is like we were talking before. Sometimes you force things when you're when you can. Yep. That's not that run is not forced. Nope. That is a trained horse that's doing it, yep. and it's happy. Everybody's happy. Yep. You're happy. Cow's happy. But most of all, the horse is happy, and she's yep. doing it all on her own. It's not like you're reading it and come here and yep. get here, and, you know, that, that's a cool run right there. I don't know. Where, where can people, if what, they wanted to see that one, to go see it on the, what year is YouTube. it? It's a YouTube. I don't know if it's... Uh, in our CHA stakes, yes, you can probably punch in truly scrumptious. Yeah, truly scrumptious. Yeah, I don't know if it'll. Our Wade Matter, Wade Matter, yeah, Wade yeah, Matter, truly scrumptious. YouTube, let it go viral. YouTube people. viral. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we're so we're at uh, Murphy's. Yeah, I gathering mean, so. uh, info from the guru. Yeah, and then what, Wade? So we were there for about a year, um, and then. 
like I lived in town and their place is 20, 25 miles out there and, and my kids were starting to get in school at that point too, you know, and so, um, you built up decent clientele by now. Yes, we had more a, than one horse in more training. More than one horse, yeah. We had enough to pay the bills and grow a little bit. And uh, so I ended up taking a horse to to the cutting fraternity that year and didn't didn't sell all that good. But uh, Toby, who I worked for in high school, he sent me a horse to take. And so that I had him. To the two-year-old sale. As, yes, yep. as a two-year-old sale. And that horse didn't sell very good. I didn't know kind of what I was getting into. And he said, hey. Go, go get another one. Go find another one. We'll go do it again. Um, and so that's actually when I bought Trudy that mare. Uh, I got her that year from one of Todd's customers. I was down there selling that colt, and I sold mine, and I was looking for another one. Ended up buying a smooth as a cat mare that I took back and sold the next year. But uh, in in down there shopping, is I ran into one of uh, Todd's customers that I had showed a horse for when I worked for him. His name's Larry Rice. Um, and he, he saw me down there. He's like, Hey, you know, how are things going with move and all that kind of stuff? And he said, Hey, if you see something you like down here, you know, come find me, let me know. So went and found that man, kind of stumbled across her and, and that's how I ended up getting Trudy was, mm. was down there. And so he sent me her as a two year old. And so I've had her ever since then. Um, but I, that long story short is I got her when I was there at Dawn's, um, mm. And so after that, we had moved to... And you just showed her in the world's greatest, right? This yeah. is the first year? Mm, thir- first year I made the finals. This is the third year oh, I showed her. Oh, it's the third her. year you showed her. Yep. Made Sorry. the finals. I know. Third, I was rooting for you. Yeah. Third time's a charm. I was rooting. <laughs> uh, so we moved to Gainesville. And a, a lot of what it needed to be then was I just needed to condense my family a little bit more. Um, it, was, it was a little bit of commute travel right. from... So I was, I would, and my kids were little, you know, and so I had to leave early when they were still asleep. I had to come back when they were getting in the, bed. So not, not seeing them much, it, are you? Yeah, exactly. And mom's there at home with them all the time. And so it, it, it just grew into being a lot of stuff stressed and spread out and just n- not having everything combined as much as we needed to as a family and, and a business both. So we moved to Gainesville and rented a place there that was a little single was a double wide trailer house on 10 acres and it had 15 stalls divided into three barns um each barn had five stalls and a little bitty roping arena that was on maybe like a 120 by 200 in just one little outdoor um and i had that that smooth cat mare as a two-year-old there and so we stayed there for that year and I got to, I had actually just won out of the limited open um, that la- last year at Dawn's. Mm-hmm. And so one of the fraternity horses I had at this new place, uh, it was my first year in the intermediate. And she was not an intermediate level horse, but she's all I had. And I had, well, I partnered with her um, on one of my customers. And so we go out there and show, and I missed the intermediate finals by half a point. Mm hmm. And and on, I would rather miss by yes. five points in halfway. Yes. <laughs> but to to credit her, she was not an intermediate level Good horse for at all. And but she had a lot of heart, and that's what was what took her that far. As a matter of fact, we ended up putting her in the uh, the 
sale right after the fraternity. I don't remember what they call it, but they have a sale right after the fraternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually legacy. No, no, like the show. No, there's just a show horse. Show horse. Yeah, 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 they, yeah, they let yeah. you add on to them. Yeah. yeah. So if you show a horse there or something, you can put it in. Or a lot of times they bring older yeah. horses in there. Well, they had put her in there because it was one of those partner deals where hey. We'll get her to the. We'll let you take her to the show, but we're selling her after that. It's kind of what it amounted to. Um, and so, anyways, uh, Jake and Jesse Telford bought her thirty five hundred dollars. That's what that mare brought. Okay, we missed. That's it. a lot of work. Oh, we, missed, we missed the intermediate finals by half a point, and they run her through that sale. She brings thirty five hundred dollars. So Jake and Jesse bought her. The next uh, spring at the. At the Stallion Stakes, Jesse won a non-pro Hackamore on her, uh, and then they sold her. I think after good that, but for so, so that was cool. Yeah, good. That was cool. To, good to see. At least she went. But yeah, and and I, they sold her, and she went on did whatever. But I had this this two year old and took it down there to Fort Worth, and this was my new venture into those two year olds in the cutting sale, and took this mare down to Silverado. Silverado on the Brazos, yep. but it was yep. beautiful. Yep. It's the Taj Mahal of horse training facilities. So we video this horse there. And like I say, this was my first good horse into it. And I didn't know I, I didn't know where I was at. And the guy turning back for me, he's talking to me while I'm videoing this horse. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to video this horse. He's like, hey, that's a nice horse. You know, what's that? You know, I'm, who are you? You know, where's, what's this? I'm like, man, I'm trying to video this horse. Well, it's, this guy's name is Neil Rogers, and he's the head trainer <laughs> for that place, okay? And he's in there turning back for me. And so, anyways, we get through making the video, and he, so then I get to meet him. And then he kind of starts talking. Well, he ended up coming back and buying that horse from me at the Futurity sale. Nice. Uh, and he sent me some colts later to start at, right after that. And uh, at that place I was at, it was, it was an adequate for where I was at the time, but it was not adequate for where I was going in our life and our business. And he sent me these three horses and they were, they were good. They were out of good mares that Jerry Durant owns. And, uh, he told me I had one of them get hurt and, uh, got, a, got a leg hung up in a fence. And he said, you know, you need to go somewhere else. He said, you're good. You do a good job. You want to keep doing this and have this, uh, avenue in life he said we need to get you into another facility and he offered me to come down there and train out of that place of Silverado and so me and Corey load up one day and go down there and he gives us a whole tour of the place and it was like wow wow <laughs> you know, here we are in Weatherford. wait a minute where are we going to go down the fence <laughs> yeah, well but that was the thing is he was going to give me like my own barn over there and it was a full arena they had cut in half for a cutting pin but I could have taken those walls out and had 20 stalls and the whole deal. I mean, like, it was sweet and legit, and but it was Weatherford, and we still didn't have hardly any money. And, like, down there is a whole nother level of lifestyle. You Expense. know, the cost of living, yeah. everything is so much more than what we were able to provide at that time. So, for God have it, um, Brenda Peeper calls me, and she says, hey, you know, I got this facility up here. If you're interested, you know, might lease you a barn or whatever. So I had two options at that point, and it was like right here in Marietta, quiet, clean, nice, beautiful facility, but close to where we were, or go down there in the middle of Weatherford in the height of all the rich and expensive stuff. And it was like, I just don't. 
think we belong down here, and I don't know that we can afford to pay for it either down here. Uh, so we ended up going to Brenda's. Um, I stayed there for another year and and moved up and had a better clientele and sold another horse down there at the Cutting Fraternity for some pretty good money, and then we had to move again. So, like, we moved every year for five years in a row there. <laughs> that's that's hard on business right yeah. there. That's harder than changing your program. Yeah, for sure it was. But every move was a good move. It was a move forward and ahead. It was a better facility. We were uh, better established in our business and our horses. So every move was a good move, but nonetheless, it was still a move. Um, and so then we moved into a place in Whitesboro that was a reigning facility, had a nice big indoor Two, two trailer houses on it, but and it had some pasture, but no pens. Nothing was set up for cows or anything. So we kind of had to go in there and clean it up and spend our money to make it fit us and what we needed. And same thing, like that guy wasn't going to sell us that place, and we wanted to buy it, but he was, he was content with us just leasing it from him. But we didn't want to lease a place forever. You know, we wanted to try and start – uh, setting roots down and you know if we're going to pay that money and let's own it instead of just renting it and so that kind of came about that it wasn't going to happen and so we ended up moving a year later out of there but in that time we had learned about the place that we're at now um, there's a guy named Steve Simon owned uh, very uh, established in the Rainin. yes pillar of the Rainin community yeah, mm-hmm. owned custom chrome custom legend those horses uh, his place had been for sale on the market for several years, and uh, through God's timing and and whatnot of all of it, he was more apt to sell at that point, and we were a little bit more established, ready to try and dip into buying something, and and it just worked. You know, we had a uh, we had a lot of guidance and some help that said, hey, you need to go here and this route, and let's let's get it done, and so that's. That's where we're at now, and this summer, this June, will be four years there. Wow. So, so wait, I'm going to back you up for a minute. So, we're going to go back to Murphy's, and we're going to go back to about you not getting to spend time with your kids as much as you think, and I'm going to tell you that for young people that are wanting to do this job, this job takes so much time. And if you're going to have kids, it is hard enough to spend time with them when everything's on your ranch. When you throw a 20, 30-minute drive in there, I am telling you right now, the drive is not the problem. The problem is that you are 30 minutes away, so they're not there. So all those little few 15-minute, 20-minute deals, they don't exist. You leave just like you said before the light and you're back after the light. And that is a very hard thing for a young family if you intend to spend time with those kids. Yep. And and you're also at somebody else's facility, so you have to respect their boundaries as to how you deal with their place, how you take care of it. And yeah, you and can't just come in there and let a bunch of little kids just run loose like you think is proper. Sure. Because... It's not your place. It's not yours. Yep. And you go get one of them kids kicked yep. or bit yep. or no. run over on somebody else's place. Think about what it does for them. Yeah, it's not just a personal thing of, hey, I don't want them there or like them there. It's a liability. Yes. It's a business yep. liability, too. Yep. So those are other things that you kind of have to factor in. And was that just so, um, you know, we don't even know who's listening, but if someone 
that is thinking about training and thinking about raising a family, if you have a decision to make where you're driving to it or you can have a little piece of it where it, at least it's yours, you, you, you're, even if you're renting it and your kids are at home and then come out, especially little ones, like yours were at that time, that's a that's a big decision you made, and and it's not to be taken lightly. Yeah. No, we, I was talking to Erin the other day, and she went out there and walked in the tack room for a minute, and Wesley walks underneath the horse. And she was like, nope, not if, if there's not somebody here, like, it's work hours, and there's got to mm. be somebody here with him all the time. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, they don't live on the place, so they come out, you know, he comes out or whatever. And she was like, it freaked me smooth out. And he walked right under this stud and tickled his belly. And I guess that thing jumped and kicked just as she grabbed him by the coat and jerked yeah. him out of there. Like, wow. I mean, that's that's scary. But this is the, really the meat that I wanted to get into. Like, you've been on my wish list for this podcast because, I mean, guys like you and CJ, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, y'all are my heroes. How in the world y'all have figured out how to make a living as hard as this business is and as much as you have to put into it emotionally and physically and do that while supporting a family, much less a young family. Like I can't think how blessed I am. Like we're fixing to have our first kid and we're in a situation where we're established. You're old. I'm old. Yeah. (laughs) Really old, (laughs) but it's, you know, just the, the luxury that that affords, you know, where, you know what, I, I've got people that work for me to help with things. And I'm going to be able to take some time and spend with my daughter. Where, I mean, you didn't have that luxury. I mean, like I say, you were doing what you had to do right there. Yep. And that, I mean, just the strain that that would put on a guy mentally, it just, it, it astounds me. It, it, uh, it's just something that you just got to figure out how to, how to make it work. And that's all it boils down to is how can you make it work? And Whenever my wife and I got married, we sold, I obviously didn't have hardly anything. She had more than me, but we sold everything that we had so that when we got married and moved to Todd's, we didn't have any debt. Um, We were debt free, but we didn't really own anything either. You know what I mean? Like I had my high school pickup, which I still have now. Um, You know, it's the ranch truck. Now, matter of fact, the motor just cracked a head on it a couple weeks ago, you know. (laughs) Dang it. Yeah, 17 years later. But but my wife, she had her vehicle. uh, And, like, I mean, she sold her house, her pickups, her trailer, her horses, her business. I mean, she sold everything so that she could marry a young, dumb horse trainer and move to Oklahoma and live out the horse training world. Well, that was smart. Yeah, yeah. Bad uh, picture. Character, character, character form. But along that, we, we started building what we have now from the ground up, from nothing. So the things that we bought were, an, I have a 1999 international truck uh, that I pulled my six-horse trailer with. My wife had a nice four-star trailer that we traded straight across for that six-horse that I have now. So we didn't have any expense out there. That truck cost, she went and found it uh, at the... Uh, affiliated foods there in Amarillo, she paid $5,500 for it, I think. Five, <laughs> either 5000 or 5500 for this 99 International truck. It had been jackknifed, and so she took it home, and her and one of my friends there, they took the the wrecked parts off of it. and it, Your wife and one of your friends mm-hmm, did this? Yep. That's handy. Yeah, they're at my nice. dad's house. They tore it apart. And, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, like little stuff like that. So I still have the same rig that I've had since before – 
or when I first started at, at Todd's, you know, and it just sat parked for years because I didn't have a need for it, but it was paid for. And it's something that I would need down the road. You know, she sold her pickup. So she drove little junky cars for a long time. And even until, uh, until this last year, we finally bought for us a new pickup. It's a 2013 Ford, you know, and that's the first new uh, quote unquote vehicle that we've had since we first got together. You know, she had new trucks before, before we got together, but it's, it was that time frame where we went without, um, and so just things like that where, you know, those other guys that you know, they don't have families or kids or, or whatever, so they can take that money into newer vehicles, yep. you know, pickups or trailers or more saddles or more horses or whatever. You know, that's that money goes into our kids. And then so we have older used or, or whatever stuff. But um, and and not only that is. All right, so now that having our own business, it's, okay, somebody's got to be at the barn to take care of stuff, but somebody's still got to be on the road going to try and show because if you're not out there being seen, then you're not there, essentially, you know, cut to the, to the customer clientele. You know, they're not seeing you out there winning, doing good, showing. So even if you're showing and not doing good, they know you're there. So that keeps the public knowing who you are which eventually that brings horses into you but okay me being on the road out there showing mm, guess who's got to stay home and take care of the place you know when hired hands don't show up or something or we run out of cow feed run out of shavings or whatever so mom's had to stay home for all of these years to help take care of the home front while i get to go to Vegas and wherever with one horse to show, you know, it's like I bum a ride with somebody else and work for them to pay off my expenses or whatever, you know, the things like that, that we've had to finagle out and work through, but all the less mom's still at home with the kids taking care of everything else. Um, whether I had help or not, she was there making sure that the help was doing their jobs while I had to be gone. So, I was say, because you bummed right with Todd, I mean, a lot. Oh, yeah. Sean Todd, Hayes, me. Sean, we, Ron, went to, yeah. we went to Paso together one yeah. year. Ron I mean, and Patty. Um, you know, anybody where if I can, and, and sometimes, most of the time, it's just been one horse, you know, sometimes two, you know, but it's just been one of those deals where you got to pick the ride horse that's worth making that trip for and then you either got to work it off work off your wages or you just split the wages with somebody else or something and so sacrifices like that that keep you away from having the bigger nicer prettier limelight type things Um, but we in how we've done it's taken a little bit more time and a little bit slower level of progression but we own our place We'll, this summer will be four years. We own our vehicles. Um, we have a couple horses of, of our own that we try and trade on here and there. But but the biggest thing is we own our own place. And, and yeah, that's a big one because, see, even in rodeo, I, Wade, I know a lot of guys that could win and win and win and win. And when the winning quit, they didn't have nothing yep. because they thought they would always be able to win maybe – one of the greatest team ropers of all time was Leo Camarillo. And he did not own a place when he quit winning. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? That's the nobility of owning a place and having a family is worth so much. And it's a sacrifice now, but there's a lot of people that don't do it and focus more on winning. But 
the winning stops for everyone. Yeah. I don't care. Who Father you time. Are. Father First. time is undefeated. Yes. Undefeated. So then if you have if you have your own place, you're making good horses, you're doing a good job for your customers, you've got nobility and respect. Something yep. to fall back on. So yeah. Yep. That's there. You get to keep living your lifestyle. Yep. And I have to thank my wife for that because she saw that early. Early on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And me being a young dumb kid, I would have never thought about that. So marrying well is it. Hey, Something that's the most important do. trait. I reckon. Right there. Right there. <laughs> so speaking of that, what would you say is one inherent trait that is successful to being a horse trainer? Hmm. That's difficult. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> one, one, one trait, one inherent trait. If you had to just like just some kid on the street says, hey, think about being a horse trainer. What are you? What are you going to tell him? One, one deal. Just that one. he has to has have. to have one thing. Yeah, you don't get you don't get five minutes. You just get T R Y. Got to have try. Try T R Y. Like Did it. you get it? Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> got it. Spelled it. Yep. You got I, it. I only look illiterate. Yeah. My my wife taught me that a long time ago. She said you got to have try. Yeah. If if you can try and you work, the rest will come. Um, if you don't care and you half-ass it, then... You have all talent in the world, yep. and it won't work. Exactly. So what we've talked about, some successes, and we've talked about some uh, tribulations, but what would you say has been your brokest moment? And there's two parts to this question. One is financially. That one's that's e- that's be an easy the, one. The, yeah, that's the biggest, easiest one. <laughs> what What's the brokest moment? Uh-huh. Um, there's been a bunch of those moments. <laughs> there's that easy. Yeah. Um, I, I can't name an exact actual, an actual time and place, but like literally there have been lots of times, uh, even there at Murphy's and right after that, um, where we were eating beans and cornbread, you know, um, I like beans and cornbread. Yeah. Um, after a while, they get to wearing on you. You know, right there, whenever, when I was leaving Todd's, um, had two kids, you know, they're 20 months apart. We filed for, uh, was it WIC and food stamps? Mm-hmm. You know, right there when my, when my son was a month old, you know, we, we were broke, you know, and we didn't have much and we were about to leave, you know, so that, that year at Murphy's was really tough. That, yeah. that's probably the lowest bottom time of our life was, was that first year out on our own. Uh, like I said, call was a month old when we left. Kixie was a year and a half, you know, two at that point. And we had a couple horses here and there and, that that was it. I mean, we don't have family money to fall back on. You know, we neither one of our parents were able to come and help raise the kids while we went to work. You know, and that so it was it was us. Yeah. And and the hardest time right there in two was call was very colicky at those mm. first four months. So he didn't sleep like at all. I mean, he had to be moving the whole time. And so he'd wear mom out all day, and then here I'd come home, and she'd be like, "It's your turn." you know and she'd go crash or something and you'd have to keep him in that bouncy thing keep him moving and it didn't matter what he would not quit crying all night like we moved Kixie into our bedroom so that she would have a bedroom to herself closed 
And me and Corey brought the mattress in the living room and put it on the floor in the living room so that we'd have a bed in there. And we alternated from the mattress on the floor to the recliner. And then the recliner had the little foot bouncy thing for him to lay in. And so, like, when you'd fall asleep in the chair and quit bouncing, he'd wake up screaming. So then you'd have to get up and go to bouncing (laughs) again, you know, or get up and walk him around. Um, I mean, so that was those four months, five months right there was probably the hardest because not only were we broke, we didn't have very many horses. We lived, we worked away from home and he wouldn't sleep. So if he didn't sleep, none of us slept. So that's probably the absolute hardest and just the sleep deprivation. (laughs) There is nothing like the sleep deprivation. Like people, you talk about working hard and, and, and we've all worked hard. But when you throw a kid yeah. that's not being healthy on that all night long, yeah. uh, you don't know what sleep deprivation is until that happens. Yeah. I mean, we we had some of that too, me and my wife, and I'm telling you, man, that is a tired, like you just, a bone, it's like getting your bone tired where yep. you just, and then... It's not like everything's going wonderful. <laughs> no. So you're so not everybody's real happy. Exa- yeah, not everybody's happy, and you're exhausted, and then that's on top of it, and you're thinking, man, what are we yeah. doing? And then you just don't think right. You, know, yeah, you just yeah, make decisions. bad decisions, and you're just bad. in a zone all the time. And so that, yeah. that, that, I'm going to nail that one down, because that was the hardest <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. What's your name? Well, the second part of that is egotistically. So it would probably be more for uh, the show situation. Okay, so I got to show Trudy at the, uh, what was it? Stakes? No, it's when the Hackmore Classic, that's what it was, when it was still in Pueblo. Got to show her there. Oh, Pueblo, yeah. And so she was five that year, and so like what happened was uh, they changed the levels of the money earnings for the levels, the level one and the limited, they changed the money earnings that year because... As her four-year-old year, I I won out of the limited, but they changed the money earnings then, so it let me fall back down into the limited for one more year. Um, and so I took her up there to the Hackmore Classic in Pueblo, and we had a very cool fence run marked 151. Uh, and we had a cow that was running fast but would not head. So I scooted over a little bit away from that cow, and that cow took it. And huge, like one of my most favorite pictures is from that deal, and that was her first big show in Hackamore. Um, so that's the first time that I ever made all three levels uh, in the finals. Well, I made, that's the first time I made the open finals. Um, and so, that was a fence work only finals, right? Mm, might have been. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it might have been. So. Okay. So we go back and same thing. I, I had a decent hard work, an okay rain in, but hey, I know we can go down the tents on this mare. So here we go. And it was, we moved, um, it had snowed, I think. And so we moved the horse show into the covered pavilion instead of the outdoor arena. And it was late at night. And it was one of those things where I, I, I replayed in my head every day. And I didn't have to be that big going down the fence. Like, I was, I was doing good enough. Um, and I was, like, the last horse to go. Mm. Okay. Best draw ever. It was, it was cool. And I was, I was in the zone. I had my M&M going, and I was, I was there, <laughs> you know. You only got one moment, and this was it. So I remember this like it was yesterday. 
I walk in the pen, and I and all the judges were sitting right on the rail, you know, like they didn't have bleachers or right. whatever. I saw all of them scoot up to the front of their of their chair, lean over the arena because they'd seen you, yeah, in the yeah. prelims, and and I was last, and they knew, like they they knew, like this could have been it. And, and I don't know, it's weird that I just I, I saw them do that as I was walking in there. So I walk in there, I call for my cow, and we're boxing pretty good. Same, exact same kind of cow as I had in the prelims. I was like, I got this. We go down the fence, we're running, hauling, and I didn't move over like I had done on the first one. And he took me around the corner. <sighs> heartbreaker. Took, heartbreaker. That That was my first legit chance to not only – place in all three open intermediate and limited finals but like i had a legit chance to win a a major event and lost it Mm. i won the limited still out of that deal which is great but crushing crushing. oh yeah so crush that that was probably one of my biggest uh heartbreakers heartbreakers there is is i had it and, and every, let it get and, away. And everybody knew it, too. Like, the judges knew it. And they all scooted up to the edge of their seat, like, this is it. And I let it go. Yeah. But but at the same time, I mean, that, that taught me a lot. You know, it's like, that's horse showing. There'll be another one. And get up, go on about it again. None you of know? your buddies died. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> go back and, and replay that situation again. And I can think about that now, too, where – I'm in that same situation going down the fence again. I got that hard running cow that doesn't want to head. Scoot over a little bit. Yeah. Don't try to mash him. Don't skip it. Don't skip that spot. Read the cow. Wait for that spot. Widen out. Give him some room. You know, like think through those steps as you're right there about to make that turn. Yeah. But that one little little time when I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to turn you. I got you. I got the horse to do it. And bam. And no. Crushing. Yep. That's rank. So, mm. That's rank. Well, what would you uh, what would you tell your twenty year old self, or maybe even a little earlier, if you could go back maybe to the long hair and the earrings? No, I'd go back to uh, fifteen. <laughs> 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 that's, that's where I'd go back to. Is fifteen. What would you tell him? Um, a little outlaw Wade. Mm-hmm. Don't go off the beaten path to try to find another way. Stick to the stick to the main road because it's a good road. You know, like, I went off the beaten path, and, and it took me a lot of years to get back to the main road. Um, trying to prove something? Yeah. Or just? No, I, th- I think so. Trying trying to, because I went through a phase where everybody said I couldn't. Everybody said, you're not good enough. You can't do it. You don't deserve it, blah, blah, blah. And I went against that in a negative way instead of in a positive way. And that that's where I should have went about it in a positive way. I should have said, you know what? I can do it, and I can do it like this, the right way. I went at it the wrong way and tried to throw it back in their face, and it backflashed into my face. Oh, yeah, you're like, so they're telling you, you can't do it like that. And you're yeah. like, oh, yes, I can. Exactly. And it was... Yeah. And they were... Yeah, they really right. shouldn't have been doing yeah. it that way. Yeah, exactly. It's... So, I get that one. Yeah. yeah. One more. Here we are back now at it just several years later down the road. <laughs> so when was that time, Wade? When, when I you went my wife. The, no, when did you go the wrong way? When what I was age? 15. 
15 and on. So then the Crawfords and them and your wife, and that's what back brings you yep. back to reality. Yep. Good stuff right there. One more. What's the uh, biggest training mistake you see people make? We spend a lot of time at horse shows watching young trainers, not pros. Yeah, a lot of time there. Forcing the issue, uh, forcing them to be more than what they are. But like at a horse show <laughs> is waiting for the horse show to do your horse training. Good one. Yeah. Uh, and I learned that one the hard way, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. Yeah. yeah. I think you we've know, all been there. Uh, like one time, I had a I had a fraternity horse that, when I worked for Todd, I took him out there, and a little bit of yellow horse, and he's kind of wild and uh, had a good customer. And, and so I was taking him to the spa, taking him to the vet, had him on the vibrating pad, all this other stuff. Todd's like, don't get that horse feeling too good. <laughs> I was like, What? Nah, you don't know what you're talking about. It's all good. I, it's like, I got a good horse. I don't want to make sure he's feeling good. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but so then I, I got in. We went too fast in the raining, and it didn't work. And then I took it out on him as it was his fault, you know. And he's like, maybe you should have done a little bit more of that at home instead of here at the horse show. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking on wood. Knocking on your noggin there. Five minutes. All right. Well, what uh, this is my new question. It's not getting it's new. Not new anymore. By the time this comes out, it won't be new. But uh, what's the most important five minutes of your career? And I can lead you on this just a little. That uh, like mine, well, my wife's. My wife's was two horses before she showed Shine Smarter and the herd work. They both lost cows, and she was like just took the pressure off herself. That, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't can matter. be anything. It can be anything. Yeah, and mine right. was a piece of advice that Lance Shields gave me. And I've actually been thinking of more. I keep yeah. Now that I think about them, they keep coming to me. Like a moment in time that just keeps playing in your mind, even though it was kind of random or something. Probably here at the World's Greatest here this year, before the steer stopping. Okay, so this is the fourth year that I've shown at the World's Greatest. First year that I made the finals. First time was on uh, one of my customers, Martha, was on her chick please horse. And uh, that horse got a little worried in the box, you know, and, and I mistimed the, the get out there. Like, I knew he was going to be late. And so I, and I, and I thought that cow was going to run. So, like, as soon as I nodded, bam, we went. And he didn't flinch. Like, he always flinched. Like, and then he'd go. He didn't flinch this time. And boom. We right break, to we, the string. Yeah, we broke out. Okay, that was my first time. Whatever. The next year, it was on Trudy. She hadn't been through a barrier enough, so she jumps it. I miss. Okay. The next year, we were better. We roped good, you know, but this year is like we, we were prepared the right way this year. And uh, my wife texts me, and she says, don't let your emotions get in the way. Do your job. And I didn't. You know, I just had to say, you know what? We're here. You're just like everybody else here. Sit back, read your cow, do your job. We marked 226 in the roping. <sighs> Fine. And it didn't feel like a 226 because I didn't force it. Too easy. Yeah, it was, it was easy. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, like that when I came out, they took the rope off. They said 226. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but then I go back outside and... Like, I had tears coming, you know, just like it happened because I didn't let my emotions get in the way beforehand. 
after the fact, it was like, hey. Tons of emotion. But that being said, it's like, it's a job. It's your business. This is your job is to get in there and show that horse. And I had screwed it up three times in the past, you know, and I didn't want that part to be well, the one. That's why right. are those so easy to remember? Because <laughs> you, you roped you roped thousands of steers. Yeah, yeah. But sure. you can remember them three misses in there. Yeah. They sting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just that. Like, and it was it was just the right timing of her saying it, of me being there, of this being the third year that I'd shown her there. Like, just and it wasn't so much of what she said. It was just the whole picture of all of it. Of sure. She said it at the right time. Right now. Yep. And it just matched right. And mm. That's awesome, dude. That's sweet. Well, uh, wow. where can folks get a hold of you? They want to know more about Wade Metter Performance Horses. Mm-hmm. We have a Facebook page, Wade Metter Performance Horses. I do not have it on my phone, so my wife will tell me if, ever, if y'all <laughs> contact us in any way. Um, uh, what's your phone number, Wade? Oh, geez. What? You and your he numbers. You and your numbers. <laughs> what is it, Wade? They'll text you. 806-236-9956. 806-236-9956. There you go. That's a little easier than Taylor's. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I thought how the heck with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for coming, Wade. Oh, I mean, this me. is one some kind of fun. Yeah. Raw emotion. Good yeah, job. loved it. Thanks loved for it. having us. Until next time, go fast. Make good decisions. Yeah. <laughs>